We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast i am one of your co-hosts perry goldstein joined as always by maggie loney and this week we have a very special guest if you follow the nfl at all you have undoubtedly read or listened to her work um, if you are on Twitter, you have definitely experienced the A-plus memeage. Um, she is a senior writer at ESPN and an NFL analyst for NFL Live. She has done color commentary for the LA Rams preseason games. The list goes on, but most importantly, she's Lenny's mom. It's Mina Khan. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. I wish Lenny was here, but I'm in a hotel room in New York. We also wish Lenny was here, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for joining us. It's Honestly, it's it's an honor. We love your work, and we're oh, super excited, super excited to talk about the Seahawks-Packers matchup, but also, you know, you and your journey in the NFL and, you know, all the craziness that's happened in the last, like, week around the NFL. Yeah. Um, so as with all guests, we usually start with just letting our listeners get to know you. Um, and so you, of course, have had an extensive award-winning journalism career, what was it like um, in 2014 when ESPN offered you a position? And did you have any reservations about kind of marrying a passion with a career? I had a ton of reservations because it wasn't uh, something I was pursuing or at least not something I ever thought I could do. It was just my hobby. By the, it, I mean watching football. Um, and so when ESPN approached me, I was kind of taken aback because it just hadn't even occurred to me that it was something I could pursue. Also, at that point, I had been a business journalist for about seven or eight years. Uh, so I was kind of not far along, but, you know, a little bit along that career path. And it was a little scary to me, the idea of making the jump to something else altogether. Uh, definitely didn't think back then I would be an analyst, but because ESPN hired me as a writer. So at least there was some, you know, the, it was a, it was the same job, just covering something different. But, um, you know, I, I figured at the time you only get chances like that every maybe sometimes once in a lifetime. So with the encouragement of like people who knew me, I decided to do it. And um, I'm so glad I did because yeah, it's uh, obviously changed the direction of my life. 
Yeah. And I, I love, you know, I was a Tumblr kid. I had a Tumblr back in the day. So I love that ESPN found you like through uh, that <laughs> Tumblr story you wrote. But, you know, you talk um, quite a bit about the relationship that you have with your dad and how you got interested in football and Seattle sports really in general because of him. That's something Perry and I talk about all the, all the time on our show. We have our dads on for a Father's Day episode where we all talk Packers. Um, what do you think it is about sports in general that maybe kind of helps to build deeper connections with people than, you know, other passions or hobbies that we might have? I think those connections are why we like sports rather than the reverse, you know, um, naturally, obviously the concept of like a rooting interest is something that brings people together. Oh, we all want this one thing to happen. And maybe, you know, in in certain cases, it's it's like a elected official or something like we want it to be a sunny day, but with sports, uh, you, it's, if they're set guidelines and everyone's kind of either working towards the common cause, if they actually play the sport or rooting for those people, Uh, So naturally, you're drawn to other people who share your interests and your passions. And if those people happen to be in your own family, which is how a lot of us come to those rooting interests in the first place, it's a way of strengthening bonds. It gives you something to talk about. It gives you something to care about, something to do together. Uh, And, you know, I I feel like that connection is something a lot of fans share. And it goes beyond familiar bonds, too, like... um, I've met other, I've made friends. Some of my good friends are Seahawks fans. I've met on the internet like dec, like not decades, a decade ago. <laughs> um, Danny Kelly, I, I tell this story all the time, who covers football for the ringer. And I became friends just through Twitter back in like 2010. And now I consider him a, a good friend of mine. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's the power of sports and what they can do for us. And it's really something I try to tap into when I talk about it too, because I I try always try to remember that, you know, people aren't just watching and engaging with whatever our analysis on their own terms, they're doing it through social relationships as well. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how Maggie and I met, right? Like we met for the first time months into already podcasting together. So our interactions, Mm. yeah, were through Twitter um, and to this day, even we have each other's numbers, but we pretty much solely interact in Twitter <laughs> DMs <laughs> because that's how we started talking. So it's very, it's very real for us also. Um, okay, so we'll dive into a little bit more football. And I don't want to like belabor this conversation in any way, but I have to ask you because you had a really candid interview with Aaron Rodgers in 2017. Um, we found it kind of oh ironic God. about his unmasking quote. I know, it's kind of, um, you're, you're the, the only first person who's actually asking about that. Someone did point out to me that the title was Aaron Rodgers Unmasked, and I don't think anyone has noticed that, <laughs> but it certainly certainly is a little ironic these days. Yeah, It's definitely ironic. We obviously had to ask. Um, but just curious, really, like what your reactions to his comments were considering you did, you have had that interview and I'm sure have had other sort of interactions with him um, in the media space. Yeah. It's been a minute since I've seen him. I'll (laughs) say that. I think it's probably important um, or talk to him or anything, but um, you know, I was pretty surprised like a lot of people about uh, when I heard the interview he gave uh, explaining why he was unvaccinated. Uh, I guess it's been a week. It feels like it's been two years, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I kind of expressed my disappointment with the like actually the substance of what he said, uh, not with who he is as a person, just what he said and how I felt about that. Um, And, 
you know, I, I, that's still up if anyone wants to go see it, but, um, you know, I, I was, I admitted, I guess I'll say when he did spoke again this week, um, it doesn't change my opinions about what he said, but I was kind of relieved to hear him just say, I'm going back to being a football player because, um, you know, I, do love watching him play football and I'm excited to watch him even as a CX fan who wishes that he wasn't playing in this game. <laughs> I do. I know. I'm just kidding. I, I'm excited to watch him play and, um, you know, glad to hear that he's getting back. He's got, you know, on his way back to that. Um, it's obviously different for you guys being fans. I'm sure you, uh, all Packers fans, really, I heard from all sorts of Packers fans kind of wrestling with that. And because, you know, when, and this cuts to your first question, when we room for these guys, you end up kind of rooting for them as human beings and then suddenly you become invested in who they are and what they stand for. And it can be really hard to compartmentalize that if you don't, if you don't agree with what, and not even something like vaccination, just things they do off the field necessarily, or things they say. Um, That's something we've all wrestled with at one time or another as a part of fandom. And so I'm only speaking for myself as an analyst, which is to say, I really enjoy analyzing Aaron Rodgers, the football player. And I'm excited to get back to that. Yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit, too. I mean, we were kind of on the tail end of the Brett Favre saga, just getting into football at that time. So we didn't have that. But, you know, our dads were big into that. And now Aaron Rodgers was like the reason we fell in love with the sport, watching the talent he had on the football field. So when you become so invested in somebody like that, it does kind of change your perception where it's like um, not that like idolized is the right word, but somebody you you feel like you've known from childhood to have suddenly a different perception of them is it's kind of jarring when you're not used to it. Or maybe you start looking at them, you know, from a more critical lens, just as you age in general. For sure. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess talking more about maybe the ramifications of Aaron Rodgers not playing was that we got to see Jordan Love make his NFL debut on Sunday. Um, we did listen to the podcast, of course, where you did kind of talk about this a little bit already, but did you have any immediate impressions about Jordan Love? You know, do you think he could be the guy for Green Bay? It's kind of hard to judge a lot of that off of one one official start. I, I, I think you just nailed it. I think it's really hard to judge based on a pretty challenging start. Um, obviously not, you know, didn't light the world on fire. Um, but I, I didn't dig into this too much on the podcast. I, I did mention I was surprised by... I thought the offensive line played worse than I anticipated. I know there's some issues with, you know, various guys in and out of the lineup. And I don't know what the latest is with Dave, Bak- Dave Bakhtiari, by the way. But um, maybe you guys can tell me. But, um, yeah, I, I think there were some things uh, that probably as a Packers fan were disappointing to see in terms of how he handled various blitzes. and But some of that falls on the coaching, too, of course. And I think Matt first kind of talked about that a little bit uh, and the play calling. And... Um, you know, there, there were flashes of things to be excited about. I would say later in the game, put together a few nice throws and sequences where you saw, okay, this guy, you know, he's got the combination of the mobility, the arm talent wasn't, you know, totally on display, but uh, there's something there, obviously. Uh, but it, it sucks, I think, just to be thrust into action that way amidst such drama, right? Where the, you're already from the beginning, by the way, coming to this team, he's been thrust into drama and has by all accounts handled it beautifully, which is, you know, mm-hmm. um, I can only imagine, but, um, yeah, it's hard to come away from that game with too many conclusions, um, other than thinking it was a pretty bad situation. Yeah. Tough road game at Arrowhead spags, just blitzing the hell out of him. <laughs> the entire yeah. Game. Uh, yeah, I, I, it would have been a nice, nice game for David Bakhtiari to come back for. Um, he was activated off pup yesterday. 
Um, I'm not sure he'll play this weekend. It, it looks so. like he was limited. I know, good <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, but he, I, I would imagine maybe um, against the Vikings next weekend um, would, would be my guess. Um, so yes, you will, you will probably not see David Bakhtiari this weekend, but your Seahawks are on their way to Lambeau on Sunday. Russell Wilson is back from a finger injury. Um, has the hype video to prove it, that he is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's not a little weird. I was like, what? It, Cause he's not succession music would actually make more sense for an Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love kind of scenario. I don't know if you guys watched the show. I was like, the comeback, but like succession isn't really about comebacks. I don't know. I love the song. It gets me hype every time, but we'll see, man. I mean, I have no idea how he's going to look like he's, it's a pretty quick recovery for that injury. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Curious your thoughts right on like what the key here for Seattle's offense is going to be to attack the Packers defense. I mean, we of course are very plugged into this unit and they're really ascending right now, like at the right time, um, just heard their sixth in the league, which I, I feel like as a fan, it's really hard to wrap my brain around the Packers having a really good Good defense defense. because it's always been Rogers just like carrying, you know, a pretty middle of the road defense. So Russ is back. Everyone seems to be healthy. I saw Chris Carson potentially could play. So what what does this offense need to do? Yeah, and also um, D. Eskridge, who is Seattle's first draft pick this year in the second round, uh, wide receiver is probably going to play and has been out for a while with a concussion. So uh, he would be their wide receiver three. Would have been OBJ. <laughs> we get to root against OBJ together now, guys. We Last can uh, share community. In, uh, um, yeah, uh, Green Bay needed it more than Seattle. I will say that, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, for Seattle, you know, before R- Wilson got hurt, there were some real ups and downs with the offense that were not too dissimilar from what you saw last season, where times they just like looked totally unstoppable. And then other times, especially facing the sort of two high shells we're kind of seeing around the league, uh, that I'd be, by the way, surprised if Green Bay didn't employ tactically against <laughs> Seattle, um, you know, just sort of impatient underneath, um, not running super efficiently, and then attempting deep passes unsuccessfully. So, to me, uh, the key is going to be whether or not they can have an intermediate kind of short to intermediate passing game that's pretty efficient, uh, get both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett involved. Uh, and then I would actually say uh, watch the tight ends in this one because Green Bay, uh, the defense has been impressive to me, especially not having Zedarius and uh, Jair Alexander, who are like the two best players. Not, well, not two best players, but anyways, it's crazy. <laughs> that they've been as good as they are without those guys. But I do think they're a team that you want to attack with your tight ends. Um, And as much as uh, I love uh, Devonda Campbell, as I feel like Green Bay has truly embraced him and should, because he's playing out of his mind. I do think that's an area of the field you can attack in coverage too. So if I was Seattle, I'd be targeting those areas. um, Assuming the key for them really is just, um, staving off Rashawn Gary, I think, to be honest, uh, because if they can do that, I think that they can beat the corners with the right receivers too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting too with Seattle's offense because it seems like they they really struggle on third and fourth down, like to get drive sustained. I think they're 31st and 32nd in the league on third and fourth down, but then they're like second in the red zone, right? So if they can actually sustain a drive, they're scoring just about every time they get down there. So, um, you know, I think we kind of jinxed it on the podcast last week. We were talking about tight end productivity and, you know, the the Packers hadn't given up a touchdown to a tight end since week two in 
TJ Hawkinson came to Lambeau. And then of course, Travis mm. Kelsey scores on Sunday. So I like that you brought up the tight ends because that probably is going to be an absolute key to success uh, going into that game on Sunday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So defensive side of the ball. It's really interesting to me. The Seahawks are kind of middle of the road in like points for and points allowed and they're 15th in points allowed and then 21st in defensive DVOA. So you can take what you will with those metrics. Um, But I think obviously when I think about the Seahawks, I'm thinking like mid 2010s, like Legion of Boom, but it's really hasn't (laughs) been that way in the last couple of years under um, DC Ken Norton Jr. So is there anything that has been different in the last couple of seasons, especially like this season that's affected the way this defense? Has yeah. Been you know, it's just been talent. I think the Seattle, the secondary is really not what it was obviously during those years, particularly a cornerback. I think, um, Quandary Diggs is a very good safety who's their free safety. And then, you know, Bobby Wagner is still a very good player, but up front, the pass rush has kind of been up and down really. And right now they're getting a lot of production from Daryl Taylor, who was drafted last year, didn't play. Um, Carlos Dunlap is opposite him. Puno Ford in the middle is pretty disruptive as well. But those numbers you're talking about, you know, it's kind of been a tale of two quarters of the season. They got absolutely shredded in the first quarter, and then they bounced back big time the second. However, they played pretty bad quarterbacks, so it's kind of hard to know what to take from that. I I think for Seahawks fans, what you want to be optimistic about is that they've kind of shuffled the lineup a bit um, using more dime personnel uh, with Ryan Neal, who's the third safety, and um, they benched one of their corners. So they're kind of figuring things out a little bit. Uh, I'll be curious to see um, what their approach is to Devontae Adams, who, as you guys remember, absolutely destroyed Seattle <laughs> in the playoffs and is uh, you know, a tough assignment for any cornerback. But this is a team that does not really have a true number one corner. So I imagine they'll probably try to take a, a, a team approach to stop to not stopping him is impossible. But uh, managing him in some way. 
Yeah. And I mean, both teams seem, especially on offense, have been really turnover adverse this season, which, you know, the Packers, their defense had kind of been banking on winning the turnover battle the last couple of games. And then we saw, of course, against Kansas City, they lose that battle and special teams has probably the worst performance we can remember as Packers right. fans, <laughs> maybe since like the Lions game. And what was that? 2018, whatever that was, we try not to think but about I, can that. Can I ask you guys a question? Why yeah. doesn't Randall Cobb just return at, like, is he too old or we, did you do? <laughs> we've been asking we wish. that question for weeks. I don't know. Right. Like, he, that right. was like his thing in his prime. Why not try it? I mean, what, what could, what could be worse? Cannot be worse, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would like to see, we actually heard a really interesting tidbit from Matt LaFleur that he had gone to Mo Drayton, the special teams coach and said, kind of want to make some changes. And Mo actually advocated for Amari Rogers and said like, no, I want to keep him in um and then after that he returned a punt for like 15 yards so i think there's also a level of rookie confidence potentially but sure i don't know losing kylan hill in that respect was really tough yeah Yeah, i mean clearly there's something going on with the entire operation where you know packers fans were really excited about the trade deadline only to get a long snapper signed and that was you know the only move that they made and then you know for fans to lose out on obj Perry and I expected that, you know, we, we can talk about OBJ going to either team. We didn't think it was a real possibility for the Packers, but uh, yeah, the NFC West, I mean, we kind of thought going into the season that the NFC West would be the cream of the crop. And, you know, the Cardinals have been surprising at eight and one, the Rams are completely loaded up for the playoffs. What, what are your thoughts about Seattle? I guess, sneaking in as a wild card. Do you think that's an option for them this season? I think it's an option. Uh, you know, right now the wild card spots. Um, out, so I think there's a pretty clear top five in the NFC: uh, Green Bay, Arizona, Tampa, Dallas, and um, the Rams. And then right now, after that, you've got Atlanta and New Orleans. So it's kind of anyone's game. I think. Atlanta? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Surprising, right? They were like four and four. Uh, so even though I, I I expect Green Bay to win this game, I, I think. Seattle should be in contention after that. The schedule gets a little bit easier for that wild card spot, even though I think of them as being outside of that top tier group. Um, but, you know, the NFC West is just a night, absolute nightmare right now. And with the Rams taking such a unique approach to this season, really something we haven't seen. I mean, people compare it to the Bucs. It's really not comparable, frankly. Um, what they're doing is pretty unprecedented. And it's funny, by the way, you know, we're joking about, it's not funny, but it's sad. We're joking about being fans and being kind of annoyed at OBJ signing with the Rams. Imagine how Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, who of course both made some noise during last off season, feel watching a wide receiver both could use going to a competitor. And maybe neither of these teams were realistic, but that certainly is going to add some fuel to um, both quarterbacks sense of dissatisfaction. Yeah, as if we need any more of that. <laughs> yeah, we're over it in Green Bay. We don't want any more. No, uh, I don't either, man. I'm so every day during this summer. I know it was worse in Green Bay, but it, every day on our shows, it was, oh, where does Russell Wilson want to be traded to? And it actually was similar in that my feeling was like, if he wants to be traded, just say so. And then we can talk about it. I'm so tired of speculating into this man's mindset. I'm, I'm yeah. sure you guys can relate. Well, no, as we, Packers we, fans, we're very thankful that he didn't go to Chicago, even though Justin Fields, you know, we're rude. I'm, I personally am rooting for a success. I mean, I would like to see a competitive division again because I think it makes you a better football team. And to be, I think, four games up right now in the division, nine weeks into the season is just like, all right, Aww. you take it. You for, take it. For you. But, yeah, yeah, for us, for us as fans. <laughs> uh, okay, so you said you take 
Green Bay in this game. I do, yeah. Um, any score prediction? Oh, that reminds me. I, I don't know if I entered my game picks in time. Oh, no, I'm on the East Coast. I, I still have time. <laughs> um, let's see. I'll go Green Bay 28, Seattle 24. I don't know what the line is, but um, I think the line's three. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think they'll get. I think it's really this one's really hard to gauge because I mentioned this, I think, on my show. But like Wilson's coming back from an injury, but Rogers coming back from COVID is not always easy on yeah. NFL players. You know, you hear stories um, all the time about guys kind of taking a while to get healthy, and, I, and he had symptoms, you know, as you said. So it's kind of hard to know what to expect from both of these quarterbacks in this game. Yeah, actually, even Devontae Adams said, because we had noticed that he seemed like a little low energy yeah. in the Chiefs game. And he said in his presser, like, it was hard coming back. Like, I was winded. I was a lot more tired than I thought that I would be. So I agree. I think mm. it's, it, Rodgers could come back and be totally fine, or he could, com, could come back and, you know, not be 100% himself. Uh, Maggie, your pick. Well, I don't want to give my pick now because Mina picked a really close game. And <laughs> unpack- you didn't get the blowout. Well, on Packaging yesterday, I picked 31-17. And that's just because the Packers are at home and MBS is back. We haven't seen MBS since like week two, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there there could be a lag as far as Aaron Rodgers and the way that he's feeling uh, going into Sunday. But, yeah, something weird always happens when the Packers and Seahawks play. Seahawks haven't one at Lambeau since they were in the AFC or, you know, it's been, it's been a long time. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. Been a nine game streak. Yeah. So, I mean, their record, isn't it? Like it's basically whoever has home field yep. advantage, like the Packers lose wow. when they go to Seattle and the Seahawks lose when they go to Lambeau. But yeah, I mean, the Seahawks always have a weird game. It's, it's always strange. I couldn't yeah. imagine watching them and, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm already like roller coaster while I'm watching the Packers. Um, <laughs> I think I'm around Mina, right? Like I was thinking like 27, 23, somewhere around there. Packers haven't been putting up points like they were last season. Like they're yeah. they're averaging around like 24, I think it is. So I would love to see them hit the 30 mark, but nothing this season has shown me that they can. See, there's an asterisk there. for mine, and it's that they make a field goal. That's what will put them <laughs> over, <laughs> over. Well, I think one reason why – two reasons. I'll give you two reasons to be optimistic about Rodgers. One – Somebody asked me, well, do you think Rodgers might be, you know, in a bad headspace because of all the drama around him? And I was like, are you kidding me? Have you, this dude, like, spite (laughs) fuels him. What are you talking about? And then two, so he would love to have an FU game. Uh, And then two, um, you know, Rodgers this year is not playing at the level he was last year's MVP level, obviously. He's still playing good football, but um, he has struggled a bit under pressure. But I'd, Seattle's pass rush just isn't one of the better pass rushes in the league. I think that there's been they've had moments where they certainly play above their pay grade, uh, but they're not a team that like if I was picking you know really bad matchups for Green Bay, this defense would not be one of them. Yeah. Cool. Well, Mina, this was awesome. Thank you again so much for your time and you're like on the road right now. So we, we really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure everybody listening knows where to find your work, but (laughs) want to plug anything right now, go for it. Yeah. My podcast is the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny, who's unfortunately not here right now (laughs) to join Pack Switch, she said, but um, check it out. We do talk a lot of Packers and as you can tell, I'm not a total homer. I pick Green Bay. So (laughs) You may enjoy it, even if you're a Packers fan. Awesome. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, at Maggie J. Loney, the podcast, PWSS podcast, and 
Mina Kimes. Mina Kimes on the podcast. Thank you again and uh, enjoy the game. Thanks so much.